Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, Gary Parrish. It's Thursday, April 28, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching live on YouTube, please smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. When it comes to the like button, you've always got consent. More of us. Dead leg. The biggest news since we last recorded is that NCAA President Mark Emmert has announced that he's going to step down no later than June 2023, but sooner if his replacement can be found before then. Needless to say, uh, nobody was upset about this news. Mark Emmert um, has been a less than great NCAA president. I think most agree. Two-part question for you. Um, One, could, could anybody be good at this job? And two, is there any reason for anybody to want this job outside of the salary is really, really good. Could anybody be good at the job? Uh, Great to be back with you, buddy. Uh, By the way, just a heads up in case this uh, winds up being a thing. So wife is out of town, has been for a few days here, and I am solo dad duty. Uh, Older son is at school. Younger one doesn't have pre-K on Thursdays. He might just float in and out of the screen here. This this is how we got to do it. So you're, also, you're, you're you have a t- also in the process of potty training, and so um, I'm really hoping that in the next thirty to forty to fifty minutes he doesn't say, "Daddy, I have to go poop." Okay, so yeah. it's just I'm just letting everyone know. I hope that we're going to be clear, but I just want to give you a, a heads up on that. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube. <laughs> You would have seen me talking on camera, but Mike, uh, but muting my mic there because I literally was telling my three-year-old to not make too much noise. As for your question here, uh, can anyone be good at the job? Yes, but we need to start with the idea that the job needs an accurate description, and it doesn't have that right now. Mark Emmert was not a good NCAA president. Uh, he could be there for another three months to another 14 months. Uh, I'd probably lean toward the latter because as the NCAA right now is trying to redefine what the NCAA will even mean. There's this transformation committee that's been formed. I won't get too deep in the weeds on this, but it is an important factor right now. Uh, there's a 21 person panel committee that's led up by arguably the most powerful person in the NCAA, Greg Sankey, SEC commissioner, in addition to Ohio's athletic director, Julie Cromer, that's very specific and intentional. You wanted one representative from the biggest conference in the, in the country, the most powerful conference, the biggest moneymaker, and then also someone who is in a position of power, albeit in that uh, group of five, if you will. Ohio obviously represents the MAC, and then there are many other people that are on it, but Sankey and Cromer are leading up that effort to redefine what Division One will actually mean, what the NCAA will mean as an entity for a generation to come. You Until we actually get that, you can't hire a new president to replace Mark Emmert. There are questions out there that are even, should the NCAA have a president going forward? To be clear, 
I think it should, and it definitely will. But given how badly Emmert bungled the position over the past decade plus, it has led to a real, you know, critical juncture here for the organization overall. I mean, the fact that Emmer couldn't even sit at a press conference without one or two people uh, flanking him at the final four annually, because frankly, um, he just <laughs> he couldn't be trusted to, uh, to always handle questions. Uh, and those, you know, those, those sessions, if you will, I mean, he called him the Kansas city Jayhawks called him the Kansas city Jayhawks when Kansas won the national title GP. So uh, yeah, it's a really good paycheck um, who it's going to be. We can get into that in a second, I guess, because Dennis Dodd, our colleague,'s got to call him up, and I'll I'll rattle off a few names there. But um, uh, we do not come here to celebrate Mark Emmert. It's not an easy job. I'm not saying it's easy, but he really didn't handle this well at all. And the the news coming earlier this week certainly surprised me when I saw it, because uh, this dude was given a raise and a contract extension a year ago, coming off of the utter. PR disaster that was the women's tournament. So I do think that there is a possibility we can get someone capable to hold this position, but we have to figure out what the position will entail. Like how much power will an NCAA president even have going forward? If so much of what the NCAA is going to be is like running the championships, trying to have an improved enforcement model, but a lot of like the, the stuff with name image and likeness and like actual legislation is going to be more on the schools and the conferences. It's, it's, it's actually going to be a little bit of a tricky needle to thread. And I think that's why it, it becomes difficult to hire somebody who already has a great job because you don't know what the job is. I mean, it, it is impossible right now to describe what the job of the NCAA president will look like three years from now. I mean, you, you're, you're just guessing. So Again, Mark Emmert made roughly $3 million a year. So, you know, somebody will take it. Uh, but it's a job without a description at this point. And I do think it's a difficult job. Now, there are other difficult jobs, like, you know, scrubbing floors uh, sounds like a difficult job. But if somebody offered, you know, a normal person $3 million a year to go scrub floors, they'd just be a floor scrubber. You know, they clock in at nine, clock out at five and scrub floors and make three million dollars. So they, they'll be able to hire somebody. But, you know, some of the names that have been thrown around, like Greg Sankey, like Greg Sankey's got a better job than the job of the NCAA <laughs> president right now. He's more powerful. That's the he's whole more, point. Like, and right? he's more powerful. Right. Like if you've already got a good job for comparable pay, um, I don't think you're messing around uh, with with this job, because the first thing you've got to figure out and anybody's got to figure out is what what does the job entail? What 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 can I do? And um, you know, I don't know if you saw the the interview with Brad Underwood, the Illinois coach. I did. I texted Brad last night. I actually yeah. appreciated what Brad said. Go ahead, but I actually because what he said is what a lot of coaches are saying privately. He actually said it publicly, and I actually thought he presented it uh, in a realistic, rational way. Uh, some people listening don't have any idea what we're talking about. Go ahead. He, you know. Somebody asked him about it seemed to be a situation where he was meeting with local media, maybe. Yeah. And um, they asked him about, you know, the changes in, you know, in the challenges of of the sport. And, you know, and he, he said it's miserable. <laughs> he said it's not any fun. And then he, he made a point to say, listen, I'm not complaining. I understand that like, this is just the way it is. And it, but there are no rules and none of us signed up for this. None of us, when we took our jobs to be college basketball coaches, uh, you know, uh, did so under outside of guys who were just hired. Did so 
you know, with an idea that building a college basketball team or program in any sort of conventional way is like over with, like you can't do that anymore. He, he said, you know, back in the old days, which was really like four years ago, you would, you know, recruit some high school players, you'd get them on campus, you'd work them out and develop them. And, you know, you'd build them over years and, you know, you'd, you'd have a good idea by now who's going to be on your team next season and who's not. And right now you have no idea. I mean, outside of like Hubert Davis, how many people have a great idea about who's going to be on their team and who's not going to be on their team? And, you know, you know, Brad went on to say, you know, we had two big changes basically happen at the same time. And that's the one-time transfer waiver and name, image, and likeness. And that has turned the sport upside down. And you know, it, it is – I don't think it'll be like this forever with basically no rules right. whatsoever. Like there is going to be some structure that comes along. And the next NCAA president, in some way, I'm assuming, is going to play a role in forming that. But what – what will he or she be allowed to do? What's legal? What isn't? I mean, the Supreme Court has already made it pretty clear. Try to restrain what student athletes can make, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll see you again, and we'll smack you we'll smack mm-hmm. you around again. So there's just there's a lot more questions about what is the role and power of an NCAA president right now than there are answers, and I just think that that, that makes finding the it, a it made Mark Emmert's job incredibly hard. Although they could have been proactive on a lot of this stuff exactly. and, and chose not to be. Yes. So that's on him and the people around him. Um, but it will also make his replacements job very, very difficult. At least Mark Emmert, when he took that job, uh, conceptually knew what he was walking into. The person who takes this job really has no idea what they're walking into. Which is why if the NCAA wants to set itself up for any kind of success, it needs to not bring in Mark. If, if it means that Mark Emmert literally is holding that position until he is leaving when he said he would at the end of June of next year, if that's what it takes, don't have someone come in and not fully understand what the job will be. I mean, this seems obvious, but it's the NCAA, so I feel like I have to say it. And yeah, we are at a time where NIL and the transfer portal hit in the same period where if you had a president that was better than Emmer and was forward thinking and you would have had the idea of this transfer portal and allowing players to uh, have a first time transfer with no sit out, if that had been introduced in 2012 and then NIL had been introduced in like 2016, even then just spacing them out would have put men's college basketball and college sports on in general. I mean, this affects football and women's basketball and all that in a, in a better position to be a lit, a little more stable because the one thing that I'm hearing a lot and have heard a lot in the past two, three weeks from a few ADs conference commissioners and obviously coaches is where college basketball is right now. This, this cannot be sustainable. Like there, as you've said, GP, there has to be, some sort of uh, tweaking to the model that we have right now, because it's absolutely wild what we are actually seeing. Um, you know, you talked about the Nigel Pack deal and by, uh, by the way, go get it, Nigel Pack. I'm not saying don't, but um, I mean, do you realize he's, he is now the second highest paid person in the Miami basketball program? 
<laughs> it's it's Jim and Nigel Pack is making more. I guarantee you, no Miami assistant is making four hundred thousand dollars. So I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's the, it's the state of the matter. Nigel Pack is getting paid to play at Miami next season, and he is the second highest paid person in that program. That's wild. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not even saying I disagree with it. But that reality has a lot of people behind the scenes just saying, listen, the players should get what they, you know, they should have this ability. But at the same time, like, it is just craziness behind there. I even, how about this? I was talking with someone two days ago, not in college basketball, not in college sports. They are a parent to someone who is a power level conference football recruit. They are being recruited by at least two schools that would be considered annually in the top 15, if you will. And this person who is not familiar, I just happen to know them through other avenues. They're not connected to college sports whatsoever. They don't, they don't know anything about it other than that, you know, they have a child who's good enough to eventually earn a scholarship to play at like the high level in college football. Even this person said, because they're, I guess they're, child's about to be a senior so but they've been recruited since they were a freshman and they said in the past like six to ten months things have gotten weird and creepy like people showing up uh like you know my, my son also can does track and like they're showing up and there are people looking to get money and trying to like there's like a weird element and vibe to this that was not there a year and a half ago and as a family we just don't like it so just to again remove the college basketball element of it just Understand that within this push to improve player empowerment, there have been these aren't even unintended consequences. Everyone saw this coming. I said it would be messier than it is now, uh, and it is getting to that point. There are things that need to change where you can still allow for player empowerment, but not have so much instability behind the scenes. With all that being said, Parrish, the next NCAA president needs to understand and embrace the natural evolution of what college sports is. That is the biggest factor in all of this. Whatever he or she uh, has done in the past, if they've worked in college sports or if they haven't, I don't even know if you need to go to even Dennis Dodd said, don't go to the presidential model. Like look at the past three, four dudes who have done this. They were all university presidents and look where it led the NCAA. It's a great point by Dodd. Just have someone who, if anything, can bring fresh eyes to uh, the picture. And maybe, maybe you can set yourself up for some kind of success. I want to get to the candidates dot as well, but I don't want to keep it. So the, the, thoughts on all that. Well, the evolution has to be some sort of acknowledgement that this is pro sports. You know, it, 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 and, and, right. and, must, and must be treated as such. Or at least semi-pro. And that's just the nature of it. If players are going to get paid, there is a professional element to that. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. And you've got to, um, if you want to figure out how, you know, a trial attorney in South Florida uh, can't just buy Nigel Pack, which is more or less what happened. He's also, by the way, just so we're clear on that, the person doing that, John Ruiz, he is a billionaire. So this is the exact thing where people were screaming about this could happen. Yes, it is outright happening, but it's completely legal. Oh, yeah. I, I, I looked it up the other day. He, like, owns... I want to say 70% of a company valued at more than $30 billion. So, I mean, like multi-billionaire, it it appears. And um, he he clearly cares about Miami athletics and he's got money to throw around and he's making things happen. And you say everybody saw this coming. And I I think you're right. 
you and I have been discussing this exact possibility for years, literally years. But the one guy who tried to suggest it wouldn't be like this is Mark Emmert, or at least one of the guys who tried to suggest it wouldn't be like this is Mark Emmert. There were some other in the media who were like, but most of these players aren't worth anything. Okay. Nigel Pack just got an $800,000 deal. All right? <laughs> and a car. In a car. Imagine if you were somebody who spent spent part of the past few years saying, I just, oh, I mean, a handful, this will only matter for a handful of people. Nigel Pack, a person most people listening to this right now never heard of before last week. We did not. And this is, listen, good player. But as I was telling a coach, I think yesterday, if not Tuesday, we did not talk. His name did not come up once on this podcast. Ever Lots until 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 Monday, his name had never been right. mentioned not, on this podcast. That's not to say he doesn't deserve it. I'm just just if he's commanding that now, it's that, also the billionaire that, wants to like. But just, you know, keep that in mind. No, but that, that's my point. It's not to try to uh, be dismissive of Nigel Pack. It's to say that's what the Nigel Packs of the world are worth, at, at least to the University of Miami. And now everybody knows you know, Miami's throwing around real money. Like, if you're a five-star prospect right now, why would you not be considering the University of Miami? At, at the very least, put them on your list. Let's see what John Ruiz has got so for you. The Cavender twins, who yeah. are social media superstars at Fresno State, where'd they transfer to? <laughs> Miami. That's right. where they're going. So, yeah. Oh, if I, had, if I had a kid right now who was 16 years old, I'd be like, and, and, a, and a five-star prospect, I'd be like, all right, buddy, where, 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 what interests you? And he'd say, uh, Duke, North Carolina, um, UCLA because of the goat McCronin. Um, and I think I'm, I'm thinking I'm down to those three. I'm saying, okay, cool. We're going to release our top four and it's going to be North Carolina, Duke, UCLA, and Miami. <laughs> All right. And let's just see what happens. Let's just see what, John, if nothing else, maybe John Ruiz will raise the price for John Shire, or Hubert Davis, or McCronin. But we got to have John Ruiz in the building. We got, if, if we are negotiating a name, image, and likeness deal, we got to have John Ruiz at the table. Because he could take the price up for everybody. So that's where we're at. And that's where we were always going to be. But Mark Emmert literally said, uh, you know, we've got to figure out a way to have name, image, and likeness rights for student athletes, but not allow it to become a recruiting tool. And I can remember being on one of these press conferences with these bozos. And I, uh, I you know, it was like, uh, press nine if you want to answer a question. I was like, nah, I got a question for these guys. And I'm like, um, hey, it's GP. Um, I hear you uh, saying that you want to uh, have a system where name, image, and likeness rights are allowed, but it's not a recruiting tool. How? How are you? How are you going to do that? And they're like, "Well, you know, that's part of what we're working through right now." I said, "Okay," but I've been thinking about it. I didn't say this, but I was like, "I've been thinking about it for a while, and I can't think of it. How you do it? It like you know." I've asked people I think are smart who understand the world of college athletics. How does name, image, and likeness rights become allowed but not a recruiting tool? Just let's brainstorm for a minute. Let's all sit down and see if we can imagine how that works. Nobody could come up with anything. But Mark Emmert tried to suggest it was. And in some ways, and that leads to him you know, being caught. Like there's so many press conference moments over the years where it's like, Mark Emmert is an idiot. Mark Emmert is a stupid man. Like, Mark Emmert is not an idiot, and he's not a stupid man. I say this as someone who, you know, isn't a fan of his. But, like, 
He's not a stupid man. He's not an idiot. The Kansas City Jayhawks thing was just a – he just slipped up. It, that's the type of thing that makes you sound dumb. But you're, I mean, it came at the worst possible it time. It came at the worst possible time. The I'm with you. will of all of this stuff, by uh, the, the way. He didn't yeah. even have – yeah. It, it, it was a slip-up. That's the type of thing that makes somebody sound dumb, but it doesn't necessarily mean they are dumb. And that's what that was. I mean, listen, I laughed. I mean, at it made him look nervous as hell because he's up there with Kansas, who still hasn't faced the consequences of the FBI scandal. I hear you. Come on, I, man. I hear you. Um, it was a bad look, and I laughed just like everybody else. But Mark Emmert is a man whose job it was for more than a decade to defend the indefensible publicly, and when that's your job. You're going to spend a lot of time looking stupid. Um, it reminds me of Bill Hancock, just a, a beautiful man who's the executive director of the college football playoff. Not the uh, guy who signed the Constitution, just so we're clear. You don't That's know that. John. That's John. Oh, yeah, John Hancock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Two different people. So Bill Hancock was the executive director or the face of the BCS before he was the face of this. And I can remember he'd constantly be on radio shows or television and constantly being asked about a playoff before we had a playoff. He was like, can't have a playoff. Just can't have it, you know, because it ruined the regular season and it do this and it do that. And every time you'd listen to him talk, you'd be like, he can't possibly believe that because only a stupid man would believe that. And he's not a stupid man. But his job was literally to defend the status quo. So that's what you had to do. And when you got a job that makes you defend the indefensible, you end up looking dumb. So then guess what happens? We go to a 14 playoff. And you know whose job it is to now defend the 14 playoff? Literally the same man whose job it was to tell you for years you can't have a 14 playoff because it was a disaster. Same guy. New job. But same type of job. Defend the status quo. Defend the indefensible because now we're trying to go to an eight team or a, thir uh, a 14 team or a 16 team or whatever we're headed for. And it, now it's Bill Hancock's job to tell you, you can't do that. And here's why. Because it's his job to defend the, where we're at right now. And when we get when we inevitably expand the college football playoff, it'll be his job to defend that one against whatever new proposal somebody has. He's just doing an impossible job for a lot of money. And that is on some level what what Mark Emmert um, and, and really any NCAA president trying to hold on to the status quo would have been doing for the past decade, defending the indefensible, trying to hang on to the status quo. And when you got to do all that publicly, you end up sounding really dumb. I remember right after Mark uh, took this job, a handful of us, you know, people who have jobs like the job I used to have, which was you know, just a columnist, full-time columnist. And that's all I did was write stories. And, there's maybe six or eight of us got invited to Indianapolis. Hey, the new NCAA president would like to meet with, you know, a, you know, six or eight of you. And if you'd, you know, be willing to come to Indy, Indianapolis, like, you know, we'd have an off the record dinner. So we went to St. Elmo. I can't remember who else was there, but it was like, you know, people like me and Pete Thamel and, uh, you know, Mike DeCourcy, maybe Dane O'Neill. I don't remember who was there, but there, it was, just, and I just remember being impressed like he seemed candid and smart and sharp and he had big ideas. And I really do think he took the job probably with good intentions um, because I remember walking away from that dinner somewhat impressed and optimistic.
But then I think you just get into that job and being idealistic in that job, at least up until now, has never been the way to do that job. The way to do that job is to keep your presidents happy, university presidents happy, and try to keep the status quo as best you can. And obviously that has all been blown up now. And so the new president's job will be vastly different than Mark's. Um, but again, to circle back, I, I don't have any idea what that's realistically going to look like right now. Yeah, a couple uh, closing thoughts for me on this. First of all, Mark Emmert had no business being NCAA president into the year 2022, arguably even into the year 2020. I mean, it is a fact. It is a fact that Mark Emmert cost the NCAA hundreds of millions of dollars because they didn't properly ensure the NCAA tournament. So when it got canceled in 2020, they took a bath on that. They got paid like 60 cents on the dollar approximately in their insurance policy as opposed to insuring it at a higher rate. The TV contract, listen, we're getting a great deal right now at CBS and Turner for how much um, the rate is versus what it actually could be, okay? So you lost out on that on your previous negotiation. Mark Emmert's a very prominent voice in that, and that contract's still going to go for another six, seven years here overall. And then, yeah, he was he was a punching bag, and the reason why he was able to keep this gig was it was a good old boys network and the board of governors who is a select group of university presidents, mostly old white men liked Mark Emmert, liked him taking the arrows. Uh, I've seen the term meat shield said and written about plenty this week. That is an accurate description of what Mark Emmert had done. And no, he's not a stupid guy. He was just incompetent in the gig. And that was like painfully clear at least halfway through his residency of doing this. So, you know, by the mid 2010s overall, um, here are the here are the uh, the candidates. I want to just mention these before we get out of here. Now that Dodd put up just a few. His number one candidate is Dan Gavitt. Dan, do not take this job. <laughs> Dan Gavitt has been in charge of running the NCAA tournament and basically overseeing all of men's college basketball at the NCAA national level here for uh, a decade plus, and has gotten. Uh, widespread acclaim for how he has handled it. It has not been without occasional bumps along the way, no doubt about it. But, and he's, he's the, the NCAA should want Dan Gavitt to have that job, but I, I think he is in such a good spot and the tournament means so much. Just let him continue to run no, the tournament. Uh, hold up, hold up one second. Yes. I, 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 if I were running this thing, I would consider Dan Gavitt for the job. Absolutely. He gets along with everybody. He's a smart guy. I like Dan a lot. So do you. Um, what, do, what do you think Dan Gavitt makes right now? I, I mean, I well, just. I think he may. I don't, I'm not going to speculate publicly on Dan Gavitt's salary. He did get a substantial raise because the NABC wanted him to lead up that organization about two years back. He strongly considered it, ultimately went back to the NCAA. Quite clearly, he negotiated a new contract. So. I can't say whether or not he's making seven figures. The, the The job of NCAA president will command that unquestionably. So, yes, would it be a raise? Yeah, like like if they, if they come to him and say, hey, Dan, we got this really hard job for you, but it's a five-year, $15 million contract. Right. I mean, you, you probably got to do that, right? Like, how about this, dead leg? I, I know you like your job, and I know you think being the NCAA president would be a horrible job, but if somebody offered you five years, $15 million, I'm out. You're the you're the new incident president. Go ahead. And we'd hire a and nanny. me on a daily basis. Yeah, whatever. you'd be you'd be you'd have fifteen million dollars guaranteed, and we'd hire a nanny for a little dead leg bouncing around back there. 
That being said, Dan Gavitt, um, there might not be a a better candidate, I guess, within the NCAA's halls than him. That's the number one candidate that Dodd had. Uh, Val Ackerman, he lists. I've had people recommend Val, former president of the WNBA, was the first president of that league. Obviously, tremendously respected. I think there is a very healthy chance that the next president of the NCAA is, in fact, a woman. Uh, Val Ackerman, Baylor president, Linda Livingstone. A lot of some of these names, obviously, fans have no idea who these people are. Condoleezza Rice, you do know she's <laughs> Condoleezza Rice might Condoleezza Rice might actually have like a residence inside the NCAA's headquarters at this point. She's been so connected to college athletics and the NCAA. Obviously, she was part of. Uh, the, the damn commission was named after her, the one that Emmert appointed. It was the Rice Commission. Don't know if she'd want it or if she'd take it. Uh, that would be an interesting one. He's also got, how about this one? Robert Gates, former U.S. Secretary of Defense and CIA director for NCAA president. He said re- recently he was on the NCAA Board of Governors, and so that might, uh, and he helped basically reshape, the NCAA was ratifying its constitution, basically trying to simplify things and there was like a massive just you know slice and slice and slice of the constitution gates was a big figure in that that's why he included him and chris howard who is uh the president and ceo of arizona state enterprise apparently he's someone who has plenty of knowledge on in and a good position on where college sports is heading toward and would have a good uh, perspective on that so that's just a few names that dodd throw i'm not gonna get into like all these other names but who would I, you hire funny. who would you hire i'm not i don't know I need to know what the job is going to be before I give you a name. I don't know what the job is. You're probably going to have to hire somebody before you can accurately tell them what the job's going to be. That's the I don't. That might not be the case. It might not be, but possibly. because this transformation committee by August, just so you know, people really have a good understanding, then we can move on. Uh, the transformation committee by August is is targeting, and Cromer even told a scrum of us at the Final Four when we met uh, after Emmert's press conference. Uh, that we have to move on this. We are moving. We are meeting weekly. We will have something in place by the, you know, near the, by the end of the summer, near the end of the summer of like, here's, here's this list, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, what can stay, what can go, what division one's place is going to be, what the conferences should have power over, what the school should be doing, how the enforcement model should be all of that stuff. While not formally becoming law and rule at the NCAA level will be, on the table by the end of the summer. So if you have the majority of what that would be and what the NCAA president title would entail, then you can actually get an idea of what it will be. Last thing, George Kliakoff, who's the Pac-12 commissioner. See, this is all happening as like the college football playoff committees, like meeting in Dallas, and then the group of fives meeting elsewhere in the country. Kliakoff told ESPN's Heather Dinich, on Wednesday, I guess it was, he said, I think the NCAA is a trade organization which represents lots of schools that are in different businesses and different business models. I can't imagine a trade organization as broad as the NCAA in its current structure remaining intact. I think that's the biggest takeaway. Everyone listening to this podcast or watching this podcast, hit the like button. But you've known NCAA sports to exist in a certain kind of environment in its own kind of universe that is dramatically going to shift over the next six to 12 to 18 months. And that just so happens and appropriately. So with that, we will eventually get a new NCAA president. The Iverson Classic is this weekend in Memphis, Tennessee. Terrific high school, high school all-star game. We're going to spend a few minutes on that next. But first. 
The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. A word from our sponsors. Dead legs, so the Iverson Classic is this weekend here in Memphis. It's a high school all-star game. Going to be on CBS Sports Network Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern. I'll be on the sideline for the game, along with A.J. Ross, Brent Stover handling play-by-play. Six of the top ten players in the class of 2022 going to be on display. Eleven of the top 20. Can I get you to turn it on and watch us? Oh, I'll definitely be watching to see what, uh, see what you're rocking. But how about a little more exposition from you, my man? Iverson Classic, a relatively new event um, some people might not even be aware of it before listening to this podcast. So can you give a little bit more description of who's going to like, why does the event exist? Is it always in Memphis? Just a little more explanatory, uh, behind the scenes stuff, because yes, listeners, you will be able to see GP on your TV this weekend, this Saturday. What else do people need to know? Honestly, have no idea why the event exists other than, uh, it's, it's an all-star game and, uh, and, and people like all-star games. I don't know why. I don't know. Why does the, why, why does the McDonald's All-American game exist? I don't know. Uh, because uh, for decades and decades, there was voting about who the best high school players in America are, and they should play a game at the end of the season. And McDonald's got in as a sponsor back in the 1970s, and so they've held the game annually with the exception of the pandemic since then. I don't even work that thing, and I can tell you. You're working the event, and you can't tell me why it exists? No, I have no idea why it exists. I'm just glad, just glad that it does. I'm just glad that it does. And so all of the uh, players are already in Memphis. Uh, Allen Iverson's already in Memphis. And were, they at the, were they at the jaw game? Were they at the dunk? Did I they was the dunk? I, I, do, I also don't know that. It's okay. possible I don't know anything about this game. Are you sure you're going <laughs> to this thing? I'm, it's on my schedule. Okay. I'm planning to be there. We, we have a – God, we have a conference call, a Zoom call this afternoon, like a production meeting. If only we would have recorded this after that, I'd probably have, I'd probably know everything. I would have then. led the pod with it, to be honest. <laughs> Could have led the podcast with it. Um, I do not know if they were at FedEx Forum for the John Morant game. Woo boy. I'm surprised you didn't mention John Morant as a potential candidate for NCAA president. <laughs> he should. Well, what can't he do? John Morant should be president of everything, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so, um, like some big names, uh, Nick Smith. Arkansas recruit is in this game. Amari Bailey. Of course. Oh, gosh. This is, is actually trial. Are you sure you should be working this game? You know where this might be headed? 
Oh, no. You know how these all-star games work sometimes, don't you? Sideline reporters end up doing yeah. in-game interviews. Are you going to be able to handle that? I don't know if I could handle that. <sighs> she thick, boy. Woo! I don't know if I could handle it. In fact, I'm pretty sure I could not handle it. <clears throat> Seems unlikely. Look at me. Look into you. Look right Do at I your, have to? Look right at your laptop screen right now. Oh, no. Do I look like I could handle it? Chris Livingston's going to be there. He's going to Kentucky. Kaysen Wallace going to be there. He's going to Kentucky. Keontae George, top five player, going to Baylor is going to be there. So um, it'll be, uh, you know, again, more than half of the top 20 players in the country, class of 2022, are going to be in this game. And a surprising addition, somewhat surprising, maybe not surprising. I'll find out on that Zoom call later today. I'll get back to you whether it was surprising or not. Hansel. Emmanuel, so hot right now, is going to play in this game. Are you familiar with him? Hansel, of course. No, not, but go ahead. You're really, you're really not? No. I don't know any other way to say this, so I'll just say it the way that it'll trigger. And you'll go, oh, yeah, I know who that is. I have he, no idea. Oh, I think I know, actually. I th Actually, now that you say it, I think I know. Go ahead. He's the basketball player with one arm. There we go. That's right. And he's going to be playing in this game now. He earned a spot onto one of the rosters. So um, that'll obviously get a lot of attention because he's arguably one of the most famous, even if he's not one of the most heralded prospects in this game, he is arguably the most famous prospect in this game. Somebody who does have real Division One mm -hmm. offers. It's a really tragic story that's turned into an inspiring story. A uh, young man from the Dominican Republic, when he was six years old, he was climbing a wall and um, the wall collapsed on him, like basically chest down. And it basically, I don't know what happens to tendons, but like crushed them, broke them, snapped them, whatever, whatever is not supposed to happen to you, tendons in your arm happened to every tendon in his arm. And they were forced to amputate. And it was after that, that he started playing basketball. And he's become quite the phenomenon. I, I haven't seen him uh, enough, really, outside of just the highlight stuff you see on YouTube, to you know be able to intelligently say, yes, this is somebody who could play at the high major level or or not. Um, it you know it obviously seems difficult for obvious reasons, but he's already made it way farther than anybody could have reasonably expected when he started playing basketball. So. I'm not betting against him. I'm just looking forward to to meeting the young man and uh, and and you know being inspired by him because he's quite the he's quite the story. Uh, Derek Whitehead, Duke commit, will also be in this game. Jet Howard, who's going to play Michigan, his father happens to coach the Michigan program, will also be in this game. So yeah, there's actually plenty of. Listen, if you've been uh, following the, the sport in the past three weeks and you've been you know quite caught up in all the transfer stuff, here's a look at guys who are actually going to be. You know, many of whom will be factors immediately as freshmen next season. You get, a, you know, you get, a, you get a glimpse of them now before they kind of go off the radar, and then uh, we wait for the preseason hype to happen. You said four Eastern on CBS Sports Network, right, Parrish? Four Eastern, three Central, CBS Sports Network. Um, you know, and like Brent Stover's on the call. Me and AJ Ross are on the sideline. 
Steven Jackson is coaching one team. Darius Miles is coaching the other. Allen Iverson will be there. Um, I I heard this, but I haven't confirmed it. Again, I'll know as soon as the Zoom me, uh, uh, production meeting is done. I, I heard at one point J.R. Smith is going to be maybe working the broadcast with us as well. Nice. Yeah, so that'll be, you know, he's an academic uh, standout, a college golfer. Also won a world championship playing in the NBA once upon a time. I know, my man. You saw that? Yeah, like, I, like I don't, I'm not even joking around. That's awesome. It's really cool, man. That's like yeah. one of the better sports stories I've seen this month. It's no, really it's incredible. And so, um, you know, college coaches, I believe, will be there. Um, and, you know, Memphis in May Music Festival is this weekend. So people have started to wonder, like, will some hip hop artists who are in town? Uh, for that be there as well like Lil Wayne's playing this weekend in Memphis Lil Wayne you know there's some thought that Lil Wayne will pop in you know Moneybag Yo is at all sorts of basketball events there's some thoughts that he'll be there it it is Saturday and the Grizzlies are off I'd be shocked if John Morant's not there uh Jaron Jackson like some Grizzlies players will be there and I'm I'd, I'd bet a lot of money John Morant will be there so it'll be a it'll be a cool scene like I'm I'm genuinely looking forward to to being a part of it the Iverson Classic. Will Colton Iverson be there? I don't think so. <laughs> Trivia time for the for the chat. I don't know. If, I don't, where did Colton Iverson play? I want to say Minnesota. Ooh, it's a min. It's it, he's from South Dakota. Actually, no way. He did. You're right. He did. That's not how I know Colton Iverson though, because his best season. You got that right, my buddy. I just remembered that somehow. Colorado State is where he finished up. But yes, he played at Minnesota, Colorado State. Uh, apparently is playing. Uh, where is he playing right now? I just brought up his Wikipedia page here. Akita Northern Happenets. Ja- uh, playing in Japan. That sounds fun. Trivia time. Okay. Tokyo. Okay. Okay. That's right. The capital of Japan. Okay. Hold on. Before that. Oh, before that. He played in New Zealand. New Zealand. Uh-huh. What's the capital of New Zealand? Capital of New Zealand. Piscataway. The, the, the city that it is, that is the capital of New Zealand, there is a meat meal. It's blank, blank. So there's a meat that goes before this word if you eat it as a meal. Bacon Aider. Aider? So you're saying Aider? No, Bacon Aider. Bacon Aider, New Zealand? I, I'm just saying I like Bacon Aiders at Wendy's. They're great. Could be more constructive with your feedback. Um, Wellington. Oh, yeah. The meal. Beef Wellington. I, uh, beef Wellington. I've, I've had that. I know what's up with a Beef Wellington. There we go. Um, okay, quick couple quick notes here. Carousel update. Fordham filled. Keith Ergo is uh, getting promoted from within. Kyle Neptune obviously went to Villanova. And then Fordham decided to promote from within. So the roster will be expected to remain intact. Kansas City is now going to be coached by Marvin Menzies, who got that job after Billy Donlin left of his, of his own accord to get paid more money to be uh, the lead assistant at Clemson. Fairly Dickinson opened this week when Greg Horenda was fired. Fairly Dickinson last played a game two months ago to the day on February 28th. 
So that is a little bit curious there. Um, Carolina landed Gigi Jackson, who is a top five recruit in the class of 2023. Some are saying that once these recruiting rankings, some of them, 247, uh, get reordered whenever that's happening, Gigi Jackson could actually move ahead of uh, of uh, Wagner to be the number one player. We'll see. I mean, but Carolina's had just an incredible April. Simeon Wilcher's another five-star who's going to play that again. This is not next season. It's the season after. These are 2023 recruits. So the big news in Carolina this week was Gigi Jackson enrolling there. More good news for Hubert Davis. Mount St. Mary's is leaving the NEC for the MAC. Uh, that was reported this week by ESPN's Pete Thamel. Although that's one of the things where I thought that was already out there. That had been behind the scenes for like weeks now. Um, I can't even keep up with how many small schools are leaving one conference to another. It's a mess. And then we have to give a shout out at mm. the end of this episode to an absolute legend in our industry. It was announced on Thursday morning that Kenny Klein who is the sports information director at Louisville. And if you're unfamiliar with the term, sports information director is the communications liaison between a program and the press. It's the person who sets up, who often sets up interviews with players. The sports information directors are in so many ways, actually the most valuable people inside these athletic departments, because they do more than just make sure that, you know, writing up the press release, making sure you get an interview here, working stuff behind the scenes. They do so, so, so much. And when you consider everything that that program has been through, over the near four decades that Klein has worked with Louisville basketball, the man has a viable case as the greatest SID in the history of college basketball. You won't find a person to say one bad thing about Kenny Klein. He's amazing. When Louisville was going through, you name the scandal, whatever, behind the scenes, he like what will sometimes happen with these situations is if coach gets in hot water, if a program gets in hot water, understandably so sometimes SIDs will either go dark on you. They'll clam up. They'll by nature become a little bit more combative because things start to kind of turn in the wrong way. Kenny Klein always, 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 always understood and understands the job of the media, the objective there, willing to help kind of separated church and state in a lot of ways with what his job actually entailed while at the same time he was employed by the University of Louisville there. I can't say enough good things about this man. He is, I wish I'd known. Everyone's worried about Jay Wright. This is the retirement that I wanted to break. I saw him, uh, I saw him out at the final four. He always helps out with the NCAA tournament and he's just a great, great, great dude. So Kenny Klein, and I you got thoughts here, GP. Congrats on an epic career. He's apparently still going to work in some minor role with Louisville, but man, oh man, talk about an earned retirement and just, he is that good. He deserves a shout out for everything he has done for the sport behind the scenes and both publicly, you know, echo everything you said, obviously like I've known Kenny for probably more than 20 years now back to my Memphis beat writer days when Memphis and Louisville were both in conference USA. Um, you know, I, I was the Memphis beat writer. Pat 40 was the Louisville beat writer. Brett McMurphy was the South Florida beat writer. Like we had quite a crew back then of, of Conference USA uh, beat writers. And so I, I, I guess that's when I first met Kenny and, and got to know him over the years, spent time with him, you know, had drinks with him the whole deal. It just an absolute professional um, and the best of the best. Like that job's not always easy. And, you know, uh, it's your job to work with the media. And sometimes the media isn't writing 
or saying great things about your place of employment, a place you care about deeply, that can you know get a little awkward and uncomfortable. But you never had to worry about Kenny taking anything personally um, or being anything other than than professional. At the very worst, he was going to be the most professional. And it's funny. I tweeted when I saw the announcement this morning, something, and then I, I, I saw your tweet later than like you had tweeted already. And like, we basically said the same thing <laughs> and it wasn't cause I was copying you. It's just that, that, that is what, what you just said, what you tweeted, what I tweeted. It's, it's the way basically everybody feels about Kenny Klein. Uh, the most famous story connected to him is probably um, maybe back in 2010 ish. Rick Pitino bought him a Lexus. I think Rick Pitino is probably the first and only men's basketball coach to ever buy his SID a Lexus. And Rick tweeted, you know, some kind words about Kenny um, earlier today as well. So that should tell you all you need to know about Kenny Klein, that his, his coach valued him so much and liked him um, so much that once upon a time said, Hey, as a, present i'm going to give you a 50,000 at the time $50,000 lexus convertible um so that was a sweet story that i think tells you how much people around that louisville campus um appreciated kenny even people who don't appreciate louisville anymore still appreciate kenny klein we should have started this podcast by t- uh, we're t- we talked about the wrong guy leaving the wrong job to start this show i feel like you what do we do this was a misfire we can start over I think uh, I think I'm all set on that. I, I saw one or two people say in the comments, "Is this a Tecmo Bowl shirt?" This is a Tecmo Bowl Tecmo Super Bowl shirt. NFL draft is tonight. My Bears don't even have a pick, but yes, rocking a Bears hat. Tecmo Super Bowl NFL draft. You can follow. By the way, if you are the if you're like me, the NFL and college basketball are your two favorite sports, and you want to catch up on the draft. CBS Sports. I, I'm serious. First of all, shout to CBS Sports. Won the Webby best social media team. No shock to best sports app. I'm not. We talked about this all during the tournament. Literally, like you will not find a better sports app than the CBS Sports app. It is it is the genuine truth that just won the web before it. CBS Sports HQ will have the draft covered like beyond anything what you could possibly dream of. Pick six podcasts, HQ, the whole deal. They didn't even ask me to say this. I'm just saying it because I'm going to be tuned in. I'll be locked in. Shouts to uh, Ryan Wilson, great draft actor. I guess shouts to Brinson. I don't know, maybe. But uh, but anyway, draft is tonight. This is a Tecmo Super Bowl shirt. I got my Nintendo right here. I haven't played it in a while. I have an original Nintendo. I still got my Nintendo. Tecmo Super Bowl, the whole deal. In, in the kids' toy room, we have a Nintendo Switch, a Nintendo Wii, and a Nintendo, uh, the original Nintendo, all hooked up. You can play any of them whenever you want. This NES play action football. I don't know. Controller. The whole deal, man. I'm not I'm not messing around. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Look at this. In the sleeve. Look at this. This is Tecmo Super Bowl. This is come on now. This is actually better than Tecmo Bowl, which came out first. Tecmo Super Bowl. This is an all-time like top five sports game in history. In history. I might, I might have to bust it out. I really, I really might have to hook this thing up. I haven't played my Nintendo. I I don't have time for video games anymore. I haven't played this thing since we moved into this house. Actually, I might need to. You can still do that, like on current TVs. I might do. I gotta get. Oh yeah, no, you have to get an adapter, but you can still do it. Like I, I believe my Nintendo 
Uh, I'm not sure. I want to say there's a there's an HDMI adapter to it. Yeah, I got the gun too still. Gun. Look at all this I stuff. I still got the gun. Somebody asked Nintendo 64. That's the one I don't have. I have 64. the... I, That's my favorite. I don't have it. My brothers have 64 though. I've got the original Nintendo, Nintendo Wii, Nintendo Switch. Um, like when I used to... Hey, hot take. Super Mario 2 is the best Nintendo game. It's better than 3. Sorry. Hot take. I know. I think I remember liking Super Mario 2. But I don't I don't I haven't pulled my original Nintendo out in a while. But we used to play RBI baseball a lot. Like even into our 40s, we play RBI baseball. This. Oh, love it, man. Blades of Steel, RBI baseball. Let's go. Who Terry Pendleton, half swing. I would demoralize people with RBI baseball because I would start like Ron Darling or Bob Ojeda and 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 get three innings, three shutout innings. And you're already demoralized. And then guess what I do? Now I'm bringing in Doc Gooden. That's just tough to deal with. That's, that's ridiculous. That's 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 Raiders level Bo Jackson and Tech Mobile. I'm about to, now this game I never beat. I never beat it. Oh, Watch I did. Out. I did. I, I could never beat it. Yeah, I never got to the final. Yeah, I could never beat Tyson. Excite Bike, dude. Oh, oh no, I'm, I'm so good at Excite Bike, dude. There's a there's a uh, a, a a track on Mario Kart for Nintendo Switch. That is the it's an excite bite track for Mario Kart. Dude, I'm 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 unintentionally going down. Look at this. This is a nostalgia overload right now. Look at this. How 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 old is our average viewer right now? Anyone under 34? They don't have any idea right now. Yeah. They just don't know. They just what game what know. game is that? I couldn't see it. It's the only game like this. What are we talking about? Oh, Zelda. 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 Did you beat oh. Zelda? Did you beat Zelda? Uh, I beat Zelda way, way back in the day. Yes, beat Zelda. Long how, how erect were you the first time you ever burned a bush? Uh, I was prepubescent. <laughs> Boy, was that, was that something to burn a bush for the first time? Yeah. Uh, incredible. Incredible stuff, man. I really might have to do this, though. I might have to set this up. I we used to... We used to play this game. It was something like this. I can't remember exactly. It, it felt like it was like Nobunaga's ambition. And it was like a world dominance game. You'd have to dr train your guys and grow corn or wheat or something. You try to take over the world a bazillion times ago. A bazillion years ago, rather. And I just remember that one being awesome. But it was like not popular. Most people didn't. I feel, I feel like me and my buddy from down the street were the only ones who played it, but we played that one over and over and over again. You'd like you, Nobunaga's ambition. You, does that make sense? You ever heard of that? What is that? Come on now. I can't see it. Dead leg. This is Contra. It's right up against the thing. Contra. Come on. Can, can you do, do you still know the Contra code? Let's see if I can do it right now. I don't have to up, up, down, down, left, right, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, B, A, select, start. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, B, A, select, start is the Contra cheat code. That sounds right. Look at it right now. Hold on. How, I mean, how we weird is it that you can remember stuff like that, but you can't remember stuff from, like, yesterday? Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, then start. Oh, select start is for two players. It's just start if it's single player. There you go. So technically, that's right. I know. I hear you. I hear you on that. I still know the phone number I grew up with. I can't tell you anyone's phone number except mine, 
my wife's and my parents' house. Those are the only numbers I can tell you off the top of my head. Anyone else? Like you asked me, I couldn't tell. I don't even know Memphis's area code. I couldn't tell you what your. Oh come on! I don't know. Four one two. No, Memphis has a famous area code nine oh one. Yeah, it's not that famous. Memphis it's isn't pretty- even like the Memphis isn't even in the top twelve most famous area codes. I'm not sure that's true. Nana wants us to get out of here. 901? 901's pretty famous because of all the rappers. Um, I guess maybe. I'll give you top ten. I think it's probably top ten. I think it's most probably most famous area codes in the country. What's the most famous? Two one two. It's gotta be, right? Yeah. I got a call from a two one two number literally in the middle of this podcast. I think, I think probably, that's probably it. Yeah, 901's, 901's a famous area code. It is Nobunaga's Ambition. Go find that game. Put that in your Nintendo and play it. There we go. All right, somehow we turned a 40-minute podcast into 55 minutes. It was worth it, though, man. Come I'm on. not. I'm look, not. My Madden, look at my Madden 94 Sega. Classic right there. If you've listened to this podcast and want to actually see these games, go watch it on YouTube. Hey, YouTube. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to I Don't College Basketball Podcast, dumbest pandemic I ever seen. Be sure to tune in to the Iverson Classic Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports Network. And then if anything crazy happens, or even if it doesn't, I'm certain we'll touch on it again Monday morning. Don't forget to smash the like button. Smash it from the back if you into it. We'll talk to you again Monday morning. Till then, take care. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.